Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. This fall, we're going to actually have a Bible study on Wednesdays at uh, 1210, um, the Rector's Bible Study. We're going to bring that back. And uh, we're going to be walking through uh, St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans. And I want to encourage you, if you all can come uh, to this study, because a solid understanding of this epistle is critical to actually understanding what Christianity is all about. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you to come uh, and be a part of that. Now, St. Paul's argument in the first six chapters up to this point is this. Christ has died for all, and in him all have died. And because all have died in him because Jesus is one of two representatives uh, uh, for all of humanity. The other representative, when you read St. Paul's epistle, you see that basically uh, uh, God and the, and the big story is concerned with two people. You have Adam and Jesus. And so uh, Jesus, by his work, has undone not only the damage of Adam's disobedience, but Jesus has also undone all of ours. And this perfect work, St. Paul says, is applied to us not by way of a sinner's prayer. You may have heard that before. St. Paul says it's not applied to us by us promising to get our acts together and maybe be uh, a little more involved in a justice project. Uh, No, according to St. Paul, what we read last week in Romans uh, uh, 6, St. Paul tells us that this work of Christ is applied to us through our baptism. Romans 6, and I'd encourage you to go home and read it, it offers one of the strongest explanations of what God does through baptism and why we take this sacrament so very serious here at Calvary St. George's. St. Paul teaches us in baptism, you are joined, he teaches us earlier in this chapter, he says, you're joined to Jesus in his death and therefore you are buried with him. According to St. Paul, baptism is a profound moment for you as a Christian because it is literally on one level when you died. It's as if God filled out your death certificate ahead of time and then you went to brunch. I mean, just kidding, but that's what most people do in New York after baptism. Am I the only one? But anyway, you know, we go to brunch right after we die. Now, you're going to die anyway. That's, that's, that's the big idea. And St. Paul tells us that today. The wages of sin is death. Just everything is taken care of up front. That's the good news of the gospel. So right now, spiritually speaking, because of baptism, you are legally dead to sin. And because of Christ's work imputed to you through that water, sin and death, no longer have rule over your life. And you are alive to God and Christ. And this is my first point. And this becomes the lens by which we understand everything else that's written in St. Paul's epistle to the Romans. And the lens by which we begin to understand our lives as Christians. When you were baptized, this is the point, when you were baptized, that was the day of your death, and the day of your new birth. Your baptism, simply, simple old water, 
where God attached his saving promise is your death certificate to the old creation and your birth certificate into the new creation. So, in light of all of that, St. Paul tells us then, opening our reading today, he says, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Now, reading this alone, without St. Paul's understanding of baptism and our understanding of baptism, this can become very discouraging. Because if you're like me, you've probably already had several awful, murderous thoughts by now, and we haven't even made it to brunch yet. I mean, I was at the Newark airport literally uh, last night, and I wanted to strangle a couple of people for sure. For sure. So how in the world, especially in light of the Newark airport, how in the world can I be an instrument of righteousness? Well, St. Paul gives us the answer when he writes, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. And that's the key thing, and that's everything we do here at Calvary St. George's. You are not under law, you are under grace. This is a declarative promise that is given to you. Under the law, you better work. You better work and you better be 100% perfect all the time. But under grace, the promise is is that everything has already been done for you because God has said it is done in the word that has become flesh and by his work, Jesus has made you the righteousness of God already. So this idea that you have to present your members as instruments of righteousness is an actuality in this age only received by faith. And what is faith? Well, faith is what God gives you to believe the verdict about you that you are completely innocent, not just not guilty, but you are completely innocent. You are dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus despite what you may be seeing or experiencing at the Newark airport. You and I have simply a promise, a promise from God that sin no longer has dominion over you, that you are not under the law but under grace, the grace of God in Christ. Now, that may seem surprising at first because we all want a little more. Because we think, and and this is funny, we think the answer to uh, sin and the answer to all of our shortcomings is oftentimes the law. Do more, and that'll fix it. But it isn't. Actually, just think about all the times that you've had do more put on you. It just sends you into a corner. The power of sin, actually, is the law. And what gives death its poisonous sting The sting of death is sin, as St. Paul writes, and the power of sin is the law. The law reveals how short you actually fall. And this is my second point. God deals with sin by bringing us out from under the law and putting us under grace. His undeserved free forgiveness in Christ. In Christ, sin no longer has dominion because Christ has dominion. So that now we who were born slaves to sin are now through baptism 
made slaves to righteousness. Notice this. He writes this here in our reading today. You're always a slave. You're a slave either to sin or you're a slave to God and righteousness. On one level in this age, you're never absolutely, totally free. And you're most certainly not free to say, well, let's, let us sin because uh, we're not under the law but grace. That's not possible. You see, if you are under the law, you cannot, you, you cannot not sin. And if you were under grace, you cannot sin. There's this great uh, scene in Victor Hugo, and everybody knows the scene of uh, Jean Valjean and, you know, stealing the bishop's silver. We all know that story. Uh, Jean Valjean's this uh, guy who's escaped jail, and he stays at a bishop's house, and, and he, in the middle of the night, he takes all of the bishop's silver and takes off, and he's caught by the police. And the police bring Jean Valjean back to the bishop's residence, where uh, the police say, we found this, and, and Jean Valjean said that you gave it to him. Bishop, is that true? And the bishop looked at Jean Valjean and said, yes, and I did. And by the way, Jean, you forgot the candlesticks. Take them too. And the police are kind of shocked and they leave. And then the bishop says to Jean Valjean, Jean, I have bought you. No, I, you are no longer an instrument of evil, for I have bought you for good. Now, the one scene that everybody skips is the next one, and this is Jean Valjean, and he's got the bag of silver over his shoulder, and he's walking down the street, and there's a chimney sweep who's flicking his coin in the air that he's just been paid, and he misses the coin, and it rolls to Jean Valjean's feet, where Jean Valjean stomps on it. And the little chimney sweep says, please, sir, give me my coin back. And Jean Valjean keeps his foot on the coin and doesn't give it back. And it's in this scene that Victor Hugo insightfully writes, and in that moment, Jean Valjean committed an act he could not do. This is the description of the Christian life. In Adam, we are born sinners, corrupted by sin. We cannot not sin. In Christ, through baptism, we are then born saints, holy, and enslaved to righteousness. We cannot sin. And in this life as baptized believers, declared by God to be dead to sin, but alive to him in Christ, we are both saints and sinners. Not half saints, half sinners. Not saints on Sunday and, uh, you know, possibly Wednesday and sinners the rest of the time. You are both a saint and a sinner. Luther coined it like this, simel justus et peccator. And like Jean Valjean, we commit acts that we cannot do. So this is my third point. The wages of sin is death. There's no duck in it. No one is going to miss that payday. But there's more. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God is life in Christ. And that is all yours too right now. I'm going to close with my favorite illustration of how this all works and the implications it has for your life. I am a huge fan of the show The Bachelor and, uh, and The Bachelorette. 
um, occasionally. But uh, this is a horrible show, and I don't recommend anybody ever watch it, but if you do, it's really good. And, uh, but you know the premise, and it's like basically, uh, you know, 20 crazy men or 20 crazy ladies all vying for the heart of one person. And uh, at the end of every like episode, they usually have a rose ceremony. So everybody's vying for the rose, you know? Everybody's vying for the rose. But every once in a while, they make a twist on the episode. And the rose ceremony happens at the beginning. The bachelor or the bachelorette gives one of the lucky contestants the rose right up at front. That means they're safe, that episode. And then they go on a date. When the rose is given at the end of the show, craziness ensues every episode. The only normal episodes are when the rose is given up at front. The love is given right at the beginning. They actually go on a date. They talk. They find out about each other's interests. It brings real calmness. It brings wholeness to the whole uh, relationship, at least for 60 minutes. But this is the story of the gospel. God has given you the rose right at the beginning. And Jesus is the rose. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it and it's given to you at the end if you were a good little boy and you know you cleaned yourself up. It's given to you right at the beginning. Jesus is God's rose given to you so that you might no longer worry if sin is reigning in your mortal body. Rather, instead, you might know For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.